Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Up next on Killer Jeans, Episode 3 of our continued investigation into the case of Bianca Jones. Okay, uh, here, here, here we go. According to the prosecution, this is what they say. They say that Bianca died that night, and I was carrying around a dead body all that morning. The investigation deploys a widely controversial investigation tool. I can't cross-examine a dog to ask the dog what the dog was barking at, so it kind of put me in a very difficult position as well. And the prosecution's star witness's past is revealed. Was he a credible witness? Oh, I would have never guessed in a million years that Rico Blackwell would come back to haunt me. The following episode of Killer Jeans contains graphic and sensitive information and material. Listener discretion is advised. Emmy-nominated true crime journalists bring you cases like you've never heard them before. Hear firsthand accounts from the victims' families, private investigators, lawyers, law enforcement, and even the convicted. Giving you a complete 360 of the case like no one else can. I'm Melissa McCarty. I'm Kelly McClear. And this is Killer Jeans. December 2nd, 2011, DeAndre Lane and his two-year-old daughter, Bianca Jones, were en route to Bianca's mother's house to pick up some clothes for Bianca. Just a few blocks from Pinky Jones' house, DeAndre says he was carjacked, and the assailants took off with the car and with Bianca still in her car seat. About an hour later, the vehicle was found just a few blocks from Pinky's house. But no fingerprints, no DNA, and no Bianca. Detroit Police Department believes that the carjacking never took place and that DeAndre made it all up to cover the fact that he beat his daughter to death over a potty training accident. December 5th, with the vehicle, car seat, and Bianca's blanket in custody, the Detroit PD and local FBI deploy a widely controversial tactic. They bring in a cadaver dog, but not just any cadaver dog, a dog named Morse, whose handler is Martin Grime from the UK. Grime has trained Morse as a victim recovery dog that specializes in human decomposition scent. Now, Grimes himself has worked on highly publicized cases, but we'll let you look into all that. DeAndre's defense attorney, Terry Johnson, has his doubts on the validity of these new investigators. The thing that really amazed me is how quickly the cadaver dogs were flown in from England. Now, you've got uh, cadaver dogs here in the United States. You've got um, every kind of resource you could possibly want here in the United States. But for some odd reason, uh, this was a all hands on deck. And when the police, the local police couldn't find what they wanted to find in a short period of time, guess what? Uh, we're going to reach out to others to help prove our case. Because, again, in my opinion, the uh, th- this was never proven that Bianca Jones was dead. According to Martin Grimes' report and testimony, he claims that Morse hit on the scent of human decomposition on the rear seat and trunk of the vehicle, the car seat, and Bianca's blanket. 
Morse also searched DeAndre's home and indicated a positive response for decomp in an area of Bianca's bedroom. When you were told that a cadaver dog hit on the scent of decomposition uh, on Bianca's car seat, as well as in your house, what was your initial reaction to that information? Forgive my language? Bullshit. That's, that's, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Bullshit. And this is another thing that's a point of contention with me because I'm like, okay, here it is. They say they, they let the cadaver dog go in the house. You have multiple witnesses saying that Bianca was in the bathroom. You have multiple witnesses saying that Bianca sat on the couch. Multiple witnesses saying Bianca was in the bed. The dog never went to any one of those places. Even the clothes that she had on the night before, I mean, that she slept in, that were changed and placed in the hamper, the dog never went to the hamper. The dog never went to the couch. The dog never went to the bathroom, to the potty. The dog never went to the bed in the bedroom. The dog went to a closet and barked at the closet. My thing is this. If the cadaver dog expert says that the dog will go to the spot where he senses the decomposition to wherever the spot that the, the decomposition is strongest. I mean, the first thing is the bed. The bed is low, so if the dog sensed something on the bed, the dog should have just jumped right up on the bed and barked at the bed. The dog didn't do that. The clothes that Bianca had on that night were in the hamper. Before you even get into the bedroom, because the hamper is right by the door, the dog should have sentenced to take the descent on the hamper. So the hamper was not the hamper was not in the closet. No, the hamper was outside of the bedroom door. Bianca's mother, Pinky Jones, a former biological hazardous materials expert in the army, has an issue with the science behind a cadaver dog. This dog is supposed to be able to lead them to my daughter's body wherever DeAndre hit it. So of course. Even though they're telling me and everybody else that'll listen that DeAndre threw my daughter in the incinerator, they take the dog to his house. Where they say the dog alerted on a spot on the floor. So now you're talking about biohazard, and that's my wheelhouse. That's, that's something I'm comfortable. So you claim you have a dog that alerted on the floor. But dog alerts only count if they're backed up with physical evidence. So what physical evidence did you find on the floor? Did you just collect some DNA? Was there a blood sample there? Skin, hair, nail, something? Nothing? Nothing? A wet diaper? So all you have is this dog bark. And you know what? I had a dog, and guess what? It used to bark. Did that mean there were dead people around? This same dog is the dog that was supposed to find Madeline McCann, the little girl that disappeared on vacation in Europe with her family. And you know what that dog handler came back with? They did it. Her parents did it. And he never found that little girl. And this same dog handler comes to Detroit and comes back with the parents did it. And you didn't find my little girl. I submit to you that your dogs don't do anything but bark. And you don't find people at all. Well, and the dog also hit on the car seat. Or allegedly hit seat. on the car seat. Allegedly, let me the rephrase that. The dog is trained to smell decaying human bodies, flesh tissue, whatever. A car seat from a toddler full of pee, poop, and whatever, and nachos, and sausages, and 
it's a car seat of a toddler and it wasn't even brand new. It was like, hey, passed my passed down from a sister car seat. That thing would have probably lit up a bunch of biohazard sensors if I'd have had a chance to test it. Yeah, okay, so the dog barked at a seat that probably smells like the dead on a good day because it's full of crap. Kids poop in those seats. Of course it stinks. And again, what did you find? Did you find some blood on the seat? Some hair? Some tissue? Some cells? Some DNA? Anything? Nothing. The dog again barked. Dogs bark. Do better. Prove to me that your dog is actually showing me something and not just clearing his throat. If you go with the Detroit PD and prosecutor's theory that DeAndre killed Bianca, he admits to carrying Bianca to the car. So what about DeAndre's clothes? Andre, let's talk about the clothes you were wearing the morning of December 2nd. They took those, correct? They took those clothes. Everybody that testified, everybody that was a witness in the house and everything, told them I was wearing the same thing. My white and black indoor running shoes, gray jogging pants, uh, uh, white, cream white, Jacket, blue T-shirt, really like a light blue T-shirt. Everybody said I had on the same thing, which which reminded. Which, let me let me say this: it's totally different than what an eyewitness said he saw a person wearing who was running away from the car, and totally different from the outfit that I said that the person who actually pointed the gun on me was wearing, which matches the outfit that the person who said they saw somebody run away from the car was wearing. Just 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 put that out there. I was the one who handled my daughter all that morning and that night because the same clothes that I had on that morning were the same clothes that I was in that night. They had my clothes, nothing. No blood. Cadaver dog didn't detect on anything, didn't hit on anything, nothing. So those clothes that you had on the morning of December 2nd, they take you down to the police station. They take those clothes from you. So you did you have an opportunity to change your clothes or wash those ones you were wearing in the morning? Didn't have an opportunity to change the clothes. Didn't have an opportunity to wash, take a shower. I I didn't have an opportunity to wash my hands. Like, I went from one spot to the next spot. They took my clothes. That was that. So I remember reading um, somebody theorized Oh, you must have put something over your clothes when you carried Bianca's dead body to dispose of her. Okay, now here, here we go. Now this is this is time you debunk that right there. According to the prosecution, this is what they say. They say that Bianca died that night, and I was carrying around a dead body all that morning. Now, mind you, I'm the one who got her out of bed, got her dressed, got her washed up, and everything. She was sitting on the couch. I'm the one who picked her up and took her out to the car. I wasn't wearing any kind of protective covering during all this. So if what the cadaver dog expert says is true, she says, and if you have the, um, you can look at the transcripts or look at the court video, and she specifically says, if you touch a body, a dead body, and you then take your hand and wipe it on a piece of paper, and you put the paper somewhere, that the scent is so transferable that the dog would be able to find a piece of paper. During DeAndre's trial, attorney Terry Johnson knew he'd have a battle ahead of him when disputing a dog's bark. You know, I think pretty much the jurors uh, believe what I call junk science. 
you know, you got a dog that comes in, a dog barks at something. So therefore, you know, we don't know what the dog barked at because the dog can't tell us what the dog barked at, but we're going to believe that the dog barked at uh, what was a dead body. You're making an assumption based upon what this dog did that the dog was correct. And we fought to keep that evidence out because, uh, again, the confusion came down to the law versus science. And quite honestly, there is no way in the world this dog's barking could be corroborated with that of a dead body. And that's what the people wanted you to believe. Well, even though the body wasn't found, you know, the dog barked. Now, you can believe whatever you want to believe. That really, <laughs> and that's basically what happened in court. I, I can't cross-examine a dog to ask the dog what the dog was barking at, so it kind of put me in a very difficult position as well. And why did they bring in dogs from the UK? What was the point of that? I will never understand. It must have been something about you know American dogs aren't good enough. I have no idea. You know we have cadaver dogs that search for bodies during um, 9-11. We have cadaver dogs that go out and do other things here in this country. But they, for whatever reason, and again, they brought in cadaver dogs. And as you stated earlier, wouldn't it have been on Mr. Lane's clothes? And again, we don't know that what the dog hit on because there was no cooperation. There was no proof that the dog was barking at the sense of death. We don't know what the dog barked at. You know, as I said in the trial, you know, was the dog excited to see another dog? Was the dog, you know, uh, having bladder issues and needed to go to the to the bathroom? I mean, nothing can explain why the dog barked. And that's the bigger problem in this whole thing. When Martin Grime and Morse conducted their search, the vehicle was in an impound lot and the car seat and blanket were in evidence bags. DeAndre remembers Martin Grime's testimony at the trial. During the trial, and this was from the mouth of the dog handler himself, and if you have the transcripts, you can read his testimony, and I'm telling the absolute truth. He testified at trial that he never saw what was inside of any one of those packages. He said he was given the numbers from his assistant who got them from an officer. So he's testifying to the fact, yeah, my dog hit on this, but he don't even know that's what it was his dog hit on. So the the, the, the stuff that they had was in paper bags, paper evidence bags. When his dogs went through the first time, they didn't get a hit. He testified to this. He was like, we got no results the first time the dog went through. He said that the officers took the package and went somewhere else, and they opened the package, and then the dog went to it. You know, like, oh, there's so much speculation here, and nobody can answer these questions. Nobody even tried to ask these questions. That's why it, it, just, it just baffles me how when a, when a judge tells a jury, you can't convict solely on what you're hearing about these dogs. You have to have some other kind of evidence. Where is the other evidence? If the prosecution is saying that DeAndre viciously beat his daughter Bianca to death, you would think there would be some blood in the house. Well, there was. 
but just not as much as you'd think there would be. Let's talk about uh, the blood found on Bianca's pillow. Okay, now, this is what they're saying. They're saying on this pillow. And I want to I say something about this pillow thing, too. The pillow that they showed at trial was a very dirty pillow. It was a very dirty pillow. Prior to Bianca coming to stay with us, I had to buy all new pillows because we had an incident with bed bugs. So I bought brand new pillows for everybody in the house. So there was no old pillow in my house. I just want to say that. So where this pillow came from, I don't know. But let's say it did come from my house. What they found was some blood mixed with saliva. And Terry did a great job here because he was like, um, she was cutting her teeth at the time. Could that blood have come from her brushing her teeth and maybe, you know, her gums bleeding? Because it wasn't a lot of blood. It wasn't like it was saturated with blood. It was like a, a, a drool spot that they said had traces of blood in it. Looking at the pillow from the pictures that they showed, you couldn't even tell what it was. You just seen like rings, several drooly rings, and they said that they swabbed them and found traces of blood. And what about this alleged drop of blood on Bianca's pillow? Okay, so from what I read and heard, the blood was actually trace amounts of blood cells mixed in with saliva and mucus, as in drool or runny nose. You know, you're sleeping and your nose is running and you're drooling. And if your nose is running and it's been running or you've been blowing it, you might have little chafed skin, some small broken capillaries. You would have trace amounts of blood in your mucus and or saliva. If you scratched your roof of your mouth or something like that, you would. That would be what you would expect to find. Was Bianca teething also? Because I also um, thought it could come from, you know, if she was cutting yes, teeth. Yes, she was. I mean, there's a million reasons people would have trace amounts of blood mixed with saliva and mucus. That's not at all out of the way or uncommon. That That is completely normal. If you blow your nose hard enough, you'll see a little bit flakes of blood. So I'm not even slightly alarmed at that. There was a witness who testified with damaging evidence against DeAndre. When DeAndre went to the college that morning, he ran into an old friend, Rico Blackwell. DeAndre never denied stopping to talk to Rico and showing him Bianca in the back seat. But when Rico testified, he said he did not see any baby in a car seat, just lots of bags in the back seat of the vehicle. And DeAndre, Pinky, and Rico go way back. What can you tell me about Rico? Like, he's somebody that I actually lived next door to growing up, and we were, like, really close friends. And then some things happened as, you know, so we got older that kind of draw, made us draw, drift apart. And he started dealing with getting into drugs real heavy and things of that nature. And it was just, like, the whole erratic behavior and all. It just, it just didn't sit well with me, so we kind of drifted apart. The only reason why I even stopped for him that day is because when he was previously going to the school with me and I saw him around then, he seemed to be tank, like tanking, trying to get his stuff together. 
and he would talk to me. That's when we started reconnecting on the tip of, like, you know, he, he apologized, like, man, I'm sorry for all that stuff back in the day. You know, I was in a dark place. I'm getting my stuff together now. I'm going to school to be a drug rehab specialist. And, you know, I kind of felt for him because I know I knew his parents. So it was like, you know, I'm not the one that really holds grudges and stuff like that. And this is when we, this stuff, a lot of this stuff happened when we were kids, you know. So I was just like, you know, all right, you know, it's all cool. But at the same time, I wasn't back in the car like, yeah, this is my best friend. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was just like more being cordial with him and just acknowledging him as somebody that I know and I had, you know what I'm saying, a, a, a friendship with from childhood. DeAndre, did he corroborate your story in the beginning and then flip during the trial? I was made to believe that he made certain statements at first and then he changed some of those things around. And then, you know, somebody said that he was actually promising things at trial to make certain statements. But I never really saw anything that anyone actually said initially. The only thing that I really could go by was what was said at trial. Was BB in the car seat behind your seat as the driver, or was she? Yes, she in the... was. Okay, she was behind my seat. Yep, she was directly behind my seat. This is why when he said, because I remember at, at trial he said, "Oh, I saw a pink and black bag behind him." The car seat is pink and black, you know. And he's like, "Oh, I seen all these bags in the trunk. I mean, all these bags in the back seat," which was a lie because Travion had just got out of the car and Alandra was back there with BB. No bags or nothing in the car. You know what I'm saying? So it was like somebody told him to say something about bags. When they found the car, they took pictures of the car. There were no bags inside the car. The bags were in the trunk of the car. So it's like, what am I doing? What am I? I got time to take everything out of the trunk, put it back in the trunk, take it out of the trunk, put it. I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff that just don't make sense. And what were you thinking when Rico is testifying and you're sitting there looking at him? And wh- what do you think I'm, his motive I'm like, was? I'm like, I'm like, what did they give you? Like, what is what is the benefit for you to lie about this stuff? But come to find out, he had a lot of charges pending against him on different things. So I'm like, maybe they told him, you know, if you do this, you know, say we can make some of that disappear. Pinky tells us even more about Rico Blackwell. Oh. I would have never guessed in a million years that Rico Blackwell would come back to haunt me. Rico, we have known Rico since high school. Another one of my uncle's friends that was in his classes in middle school. Uh, Rico, Rico went another way after school. He went on off a different track that we didn't. He got involved in drugs, but he was using the drugs. I, I, I didn't see Rico for years after school. And then I ran into him one day, and uh, he was in an area of the city that is notorious for its transgender escort services. And I was in a store in that area. I had a friend that lived over there, and I had just stopped in to get some chips. And this woman walked up to me and tapped me on the shoulder. And I turned around and I said, oh, hey. And she was like, girl, you don't remember me? And I was like, uh, no, girl, no. It's been so long. Because I didn't know who she was and I didn't want to be rude. And she was like, it's me, Rico. And I was like, oh, wow. Ponytails, wearing a skirt. Rico was a boxer when we were in high school. He was very cute. All the girls wanted to 
throw themselves at him. He had quote, quote unquote good hair. And I hadn't seen him since then. And he, he was, the, his parents were like really good church going people and they were real strict and had curfews. And, and so I just was completely taken aback when I saw, saw him next and that, and he was a lot thinner and he just looked really unhealthy. And I was like, okay, so drugs and bad living. I, you know, it, it happens to people. It's some, some people the hood get them, they eat them up. And I guess, you know, I was like, oh, well, we lost Rico to the hood. And that was honestly the last time that I had seen Rico before Bianca disappeared. And the next time I saw Rico was in a courtroom. And he was shaved and he was wearing a jacket and pants and telling the judge that he couldn't stay in court very long because he had to get home to cook dinner for his wife. And I was like, okay, that's, that's some new thing. I didn't know he was married now. And okay. But then I heard Rico tell the, the, the judge that he didn't have any other family. And I thought that was a little weird because I had just come from the hallway where I ran into Rico's sister, Detroit police officer, Deja Blackwell. And I also ran into his brother who brought him to court that day. So how could you sit here on the stand and say, I don't have any family and your sister is a police officer standing outside. Yeah. Hold on. Let's, 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 let's approach this subject right now. So you're telling me that the gentleman that I believe put the nail in one of the nails in DeAndre's coffin by saying he did not see Bianca in the back of the car, has a sister who is a Detroit, or was at the time, a Detroit police she officer. She still is. Yeah. She still is. Nobody I found this. in the courtroom that day. Nobody found this at all suspicious or um, concerning. I, I mean, why would they? To me, it seemed, the whole thing seemed like a huge kind of like hostage game. Hey, we're going to lock this guy up unless you come clean about what you did. And even his lawyers was like, you need to just come on and tell us what you did. Like, I don't know what, what's going on here. But this this whole little like weird shell game they was playing was like, hey, this guy's going down. We are, they were all, hey, this is going to happen. It's a foregone conclusion. He's going away unless you give it up. Could Rico Blackwell be considered a reliable witness? Attorney Terry Johnson thinks otherwise. You know, Mr. Blackwell, as I recall, had, let's say, several things that uh, were going on between him and the police. Um... You know, I believe there were charges as it relates to prostitution and a few other things going on. And, you know, his initial statement to the Detroit police was, yes, I remember seeing this baby here. And then all of a sudden there was nothing. So the bigger problem that you have here is what was going on or what was Mr. Blackwell promised in exchange for what he came to the stand and said. That's what made no sense to me. You know, from day one, this department had its eyes set on Mr. Lane, and unfortunately, 
it just, uh, they never took their eyes off and did any type of investigation that they should have to look for someone who took his daughter. DeAndre has a message for Rico Blackwell. Rico, listen, I don't know what they gave Rico. I don't know what they promised him. You know what I'm saying? But he needs to tell the truth. He knows what really happened that morning. Because I looked dead at him. He looked dead at my daughter. I even pulled the, the, the little blanket back so he could see her face. And even told him, like, yeah, this man picked your daughter. He's like, oh, okay. His whole thing about why I was acting weird is because I didn't offer him a ride to the school. Like, that's me acting weird. Like, it's not like, you know what I'm saying, me and this guy have been, like, really close since we were young. I've seen him a couple times. I'm always cordial with him, but I do know he has a history, and he has some things going on in his life. So the fact that I didn't feel comfortable about putting you in the car with my child, I mean, whatever. But I stopped and talked to you. Like, don't act like you don't know the truth. I don't, like I said, I don't know what they promised him. I don't know what they told him they would do for him. But he really needs to speak up and tell the truth about what he actually saw. His whole testimony, the whole statement that he gave is bullcrap. He said, oh, I saw bags of clothes and everything in the back seat. This same back seat that my oldest daughter was just sitting in, where did, all these, where, where did you see all these bags of clothes at? Like, seriously, like, come on. That's something that was given to him by the police. Because there were no clothes in the backseat of that car. And you can even see the pictures when they found the car initially. There's nothing in the backseat outside of the car seat. Did Detroit PD even look for Bianca Jones? While they were trying to build their case against DeAndre, one Detroit police officer would make a shocking find. That little girl in that house, that's the little girl that's missing. And in a Killer Jeans exclusive, the case takes an even more staggering twist with a new witness speaking out for the first time. The only thing I remember seeing was a blanket over her and her drinking a bottle. All I can tell you is that I know that that baby looked at me. All that and more on the next episode of Killer Jeans.